0: Hello, today's message is titled Blessed Relief. It was recorded live March 6, 2022, at the First Baptist Church in Hagerman, New Mexico. Hope you enjoy it, and I hope it helps you as you walk with the Lord. morning church how's everybody doing good Good. join me in a prayer lord thank you for everything that you blessed us with thank you for this time of fellowship thank you for your word the abundance of access to it father as we go through this message we ask that it reaches someone who needs to hear it father we ask that you send your your spirit here to be with us to guide the conversation in the direction You'd have it to go and reveal the things that you'd have it reveal to us. Lord, let it encourage someone to walk closer to you or just to, to start a walk with you. Again, we thank you for everything. Most of all, we thank you for Jesus and his sacrifice. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Today's message is titled, Blessed Relief. We're going to talk about forgiveness, and we're going to talk about how great forgiveness feels. And we're going to talk about where our forgiveness and our relief comes from. And most importantly, we're going to talk about who we need to share with someone else so they can experience the same relief and the same forgiveness that we get. And I'll give you the spoiler alert right now. It's going to be about Jesus again. So, I don't know if you guys are, are starting to see a pattern with some of these messages. I, I hope so. If I'm ever up here and I don't talk about Jesus, please run me off. If I'm ever up here and I don't share the gospel in a message, then please come share it with me so I can remember how important it is. Earlier this week, I went over to the evangelism conference and I heard someone explain the important the importance of the gospel like this they said the gospel isn't the only diving isn't only the diving board but it's the pool it's everything now I've heard that before but this was this was a nice reminder and also while we're there we heard a lot of reasons for sharing the gospel you know they said that what we had is better than the cure to cancer we had the cure to death and it would be it would be wrong not to share that with someone we we also heard that there's a lot of people out there who are ready to hear it you know that the 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 harvest was ready but there weren't enough workers and that was a good reason to share it and these things are true and they talked about a lot of other reasons to share it but the most important reason that we need to share it is because Jesus told us to share it anyway we'll talk more about that later. Now I want to get on with the message. As I said before, this is titled Blessed Relief. The text is going to be from Psalms 32. If you want to join me there in your Bible, and we can read it together. <coughs> Psalm 32. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in his spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long, for day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. Salah. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Salah. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer a prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely the rush of great waters, they shall not reach him, for you are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. Salah. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be which must be curbed with a bit and bridle, or they will not stay near you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart before we get rolling here in the message I'm going to explain a word that shows up a lot in this text the word is uh, Salah it shows up in the breaks in the text now I don't know exactly what the word means or even if I'm saying it correctly in doing the sermon prep I read up on it a little bit and I asked some preacher friends what it mean And the general consensus was that it means just uh, to take a break and that can be time to reflect on God that's the that and then they would say too that if you were to sing this that would be a place for a musical break so I'm, I'm leaning towards that that's just a time to take a break and reflect on what the words telling you for the sake of time today we're not going to take too long of breaks in between the verses but i'd like to encourage you you know maybe later if you're reading it at home and you're going through there whenever you see that word maybe stop for a minute <coughs> And reflect on what's God trying to tell you. Anyway, we'll get into this. Uh, Point number one. Blessed forgiveness. In Psalm 32, 1-4, through the Bible said, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up, as by the heat of summer. Salah. What does it mean to be blessed? What is the word blessed? What does it mean? Well according to my trusty Little Chambers mini dictionary here. Blessed is a verb. Means to wish, to wish happiness. To make happy. To make holy. Happy or fortunate. Made holy. Consecrated blessing as a noun, wish or prayer for happiness, a source of happiness or relief. I think that's kind of where this is going. The definition that was relief, (coughs) in a second, there you know, uh, the psalm here it, it sounds like a man who has been relieved. This is a man who's had the weight of the world lifted off his shoulders. You know, have you, ever been, have you ever been forgiven of something or gotten off the hook for something? Do you remember how good that felt? You know, have you ever done something terrible to somebody and they just said, hey, it's okay, you know, you don't have to worry about it. What a relief, right? Imagine, you know, you borrow a tool from your buddy and he tells you, you know, this, this was my daddy's tool and before that it was his daddy's tool. And you take it and you're working on whatever you're working on. And when you start twisting that bolt, you hear that tool snap. You Imagine just your your heart sinking. You know, here, here it is, he entrusted you with it and it, it belonged to all these people and you just broke it. What are you gonna do? You, you can't really fix it. It's not It's not gonna be the same. You could probably go out and you could buy a new one, but it's, you know, they don't sell sentimental value over at the dollar store. They don't even sell it over at the Walmart and Artesia and they have a lot of stuff over there. But you, what can you do? You just have a broken tool in your hand and you're going over to your buddy with it. You're like, here's this tool that you loaned me that belonged to your dad and it belonged to his dad and I have broke it. I'm sorry. Now just imagine how you're feeling and how low your heart sank now just imagine if he takes it and he says, "Yeah, they're a couple of jerks anyway." And he throws it off. Now, <laughs> you're you're relieved, right? You know, of course, I'm just I'm just joking around. But let, let's say you you gossiped about somebody or you you betrayed somebody or you know, you did something and then you fessed up and they said, "You know, it's it's okay. I forgive you." That's that's a big relief, right? It's it's a huge blessing. You know, before we bought our little gray car, that i brought today i had bought a little toyota camry and i loved that little car you know it was it was sleek it had to you could shift either on the steering wheel or you could shift down and I had big plans for that car And i liked it and about three days later my wife backed it into the basketball goal at our house and she she called me right away and she said you know i just plowed the uh the car into the basketball goal, and she felt bad about it. She felt terrible, and I could, I could hear it in her voice. You know, it it weighed, it weighed heavy on her. You know, I can imagine her picking up the phone and thinking about how upset I was going to be. It. She was really upset. Now, now, just imagine the relief she's going to get one of these days, whenever I forgive her for that. <laughs> I'm. So- I'm just, I'm just kidding. Of course, I, I forgave her the—I forgave her the second that it happened. But, you know, before you get that forgiveness, the point is, it's rough, right? Before the forgiveness, what do you have? You have misery. You have just pure dread. You, can't, you probably can't sleep at night. You, can, you can't look the person in the eye. You know, David says here in this psalm, For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. It's like a stress aging, you know, it's, it's real stress from guilt can age you quick. It can wear you out. The text says for day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as the heat of summer, physical pain and torture day and night. Unconfessed sin is brutal. We don't, we don't know when David wrote this psalm, but a lot of people think that this is a companion psalm. To uh, Psalm 51, which he wrote after being forgiven of uh, adultery with Bathsheba and having Uriah killed. You guys know the story. We can talk about it briefly. It's over in a. It's over in Second Samuel. Chapter 11. Says in the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle, David sent Joab and his servants with him, and all Israel, and they ravaged. (coughs) the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah but David remained in Jerusalem so we know know next that he's out on the roof or wherever and he sees her bathing and he commits he committed adultery with her and she became pregnant so David sent for her husband to come back to town hoping that he would sleep with her and they would assume the baby was his now of course that plan backfired because Uriah was you know, he stayed diligent, so David set him up to get killed in battle. You know, and God wasn't happy about this, and he, he sent uh, Nabon. rebuked David, and he confessed. Now, there, there was some punishment, of course, but eventually David was forgiven by God. Now, we don't know that this psalm was written along with Psalm 51, but we do know David was a man who understood great guilt. And he understood the great relief of forgiveness from sin. And we're, we're better off a little bit than David because every sin we may be carrying around, it's already been covered. It's already been covered by the blood of Jesus. And that awesome relief that we just talked about, it's just sitting there. It's just waiting for you to get it. <coughs> and how do you get it? That's going to bring us to our next point, which is a blessed confession. In Psalms 32 5 through 7, the Bible says, I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. So, uh, Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely, in the rush of great waters, they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with the shouts of deliverance. Salah. You want the relief that we're talking about and you want the forgiveness that we're talking about. It's real simple. You You just have to go confess the sin. Now, I know that that's probably easier said than done because that's the scary part, right? Confessing our sin. Now, we know without a doubt that God is going to forgive us and he has probably forgiven us of way worse things. But the confession itself is still scary. You know, it's like when you lied to her. Maybe if, you, if your folks trusted you with, your, with their car or something when you were a kid and you wrecked it. You, you knew for sure that they loved you and they were going to forgive you. You knew there was probably going to be some punishment. But you, you know that they can't eat you. You know, But that's still, it's a hard call to make, the the fear and the dread is right there and it stays with you the entire time, right up until the moment of forgiveness. You know, I've, I've worked with several officers over the years at the prison who've, who've made a little mistake, you know, something that maybe wasn't that big a deal, but, you know, I don't know, like an inmate talks them into overlooking a, a rule infraction and not providing a report. So once they thought better of it, they don't want to get in trouble, you know, they don't want to come fess up to it so the inmate kind of has them where he wants them, right? And now you got to you got to let bigger and bigger things slide. You know, they don't want to get in trouble and what what does that do whenever we do this with sin and we try covering it versus, uh, versus confessing. You know, it starts compounding things. You have to start committing new sins to keep covering up this one and then you got to commit some more sin to cover up that sin. You just got to keep going and going and it's just going to get worse and worse and worse. Just like David, you know, he went from looking to adultery to trying to set the other guy up to sin so he he would think he was a father. Straight to getting him killed. Now, imagine all that guilt that that had to be terrible, that had to weigh on him a lot. But what's worse is imagine all that guilt when there's just a big, huge glass of forgiveness sitting right there within arm's reach but you're too you feel too guilty you're too <coughs> you're too scared or ashamed to ask for it now we got we can't be like that we've got to confess we've got to come clean to God you got to say God <laughs> I did it I'm sorry please forgive me he will and he'll he'll do it every single time we don't we don't have to be in pain with all the guilt and and it's not just for those of us in the room either. The text says, therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you. As long as you're one of God's people, he's gonna forgive you, and he's gonna give you their relief. If you're not one of his people, we talk about how to fix that here in just a little bit, but, but for now, I wanna talk about the, the instruction. Sure, we can, we can sin, and we can sin, and we can sin again, and thanks to Jesus, we have that hope that everything's going to be forgiven and not counted against us, but we shouldn't do that, right? We need to try and not sin. We, try, we need to try and walk the straight and narrow, but how are we supposed to know how to do that, you ask? Well, that brings me to the next point, which is blessed instruction. Psalms 32, 8 through 11, the Bible says, I will instruct you and teach you the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which much, which, <coughs> think, wait one second there, get a drink here. It says, do not be like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with a bitten bridle or it will not stay near you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. God is very generous with instruction. The uh, the Bible reading plan that I do through the week, it's been in Exodus. And we've been studying the instruction on the construction of different things, you know, like the, the tabernacle or the ark, or the different tables, things like that, and, and I'm not going to lie, sometimes reading this stuff, my eyes just start watering for for all the information in front of me, and you know, I kind of start zoning out from the information. Now, I know it's important, and I know it's my attention span that needs some work, but that, what a testimony that is to, to God's ability to give instruction, and how generous he is with his instruction. Here in a few minutes we're going to talk about the most important instructions. We're going to talk about the instructions <coughs> for salvation. But we'll get there. Here it says, "I will instruct you and teach you with my eye upon you." That that's awesome news. You know, instructions are one thing, but the instructor being right there helping you step by step, that that's another thing. You, <laughs> you remember year before last when the when the kids couldn't go to school and they had to, they had to learn there at home, they had to do the remote learning. Now, of course, I'm not talking about kids who are, who are already home at school. They still, had the, they still had their instructors, but the other ones, they, they, they just had a screen. They didn't have somebody right there with their eye upon them. I'm shocked any of them passed. I know that I wouldn't have. I know that when I was in school, if the teacher wasn't right there to pop me in the back of the head, and tell me to pay attention, I I never would have got anything done. Now, like I said, the kids who were already learning or the ones that had diligent or smart parents who jumped in there and got it done, and I'll I'll confess right now by diligent and smart parents, I do not include myself at all. I I have no clue how to be a teacher or to go through eight hours of lesson in a day. My, my hat is off to those teachers and those parents. But anyway, the ones who were at home, those, those kids never missed a beat because the instructor was there teaching them with their eye on them. Now, I'm not knocking any of the teachers who taught remotely. Those guys pulled it off and these kids came out of it just because of them. But there there's nothing like being right there for the kid who needs that little, that little. Popping in the head to get going. And I'm just kidding. I know that teachers aren't out there smacking the kids in the head, but you know what I mean, right? The text also says, be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with a bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. I don't know anything about horses, and I don't know anything about mules, or how stubborn they can, I mean, I know a little bit, you know, we had them, we had them growing up, my stepdad and my brothers, they, they still deal with them, I'm assuming. I only make it there to my stepdad's place about once a year, but I do have him on Facebook, and I know that if he has time to sit around all day posting pictures of his horses, then I know that my brothers are still out there working with his animals, so he has time. Now, I, I poke a lot of fun about my stepdad and I come up here and I use him as example but that that's all it is I'm just poking fun he's he's a good guy and he'd sit up here probably and he'd crack the same jokes but anyway I never had that that passion I mean of course I I would help feed or build fence or do whatever the old man told me to do to help out but I never I never learned anything about him now that doesn't mean that I don't understand stubbornness though I <coughs> I know something about an extremely stubborn animal. I know a lot about Joshua Carroll's. and I know how stubborn they can be. You know, when I think about, when I think back about my life before Jesus, you know, I think about, you know, running around with different women, or I think about, you know, I probably had too much to drink. You know, sometimes I pay my bills late, or I'd call into work. You know, I didn't treat people the way I should. And I always think about the warnings that I got along the way. I always think about the people who loved me who tried to give me a little direction or I'll think about the the nice city cops who who threw me in a a small room a couple of times so I would have a little bit of time to think about it but I didn't didn't think about it then at the time right you know I didn't need that junk I never listened to any of them the first time and I always started out thinking that I knew best and I'd go my own way and normally it would backfire it would blow right up in my face and I'd come back around so like a horse or a mule i need that bit and i need that bridle from the instructor right there with me so i can i can certainly simp i might not understand about these animals but i can certainly sympathize you know and even now i'm i'm getting better but i still need it and don't get the wrong idea when i say the word better it's not miles and miles of improvement from where i was you know i shoot for about one percent better every day and the only way that's even possible is because the instructor is right there showing me the way with his eye upon me bit and bridle in hand now he's using it a little less and less every day and and I may I may joke around about this stuff but I I'm so grateful for any improvements that there are because like the text says many are the sorrows of the wicked but steadfast love Surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. That's where I'm at right now. I'm right in the middle of that, and and I'm I'm sure some of you guys can are right there with me. You know, we've got the the sorrows that come with being wicked, but we also get that steadfast love that we get from trusting in the Lord. And that love is starting to choke out all that other stuff more and more every day, and it and it's way greater than the little one percent that i shoot for you know there's not a percentage that i could ever count you know i couldn't do it justice even if i sit here and tried i'm so grateful for the grace that jesus bought us imagine if our blessings were proportionate to our works i don't i don't know about you guys but i would i would be very deep in the hole if that were the case and i would probably i would probably be under the hole So, praise God for grace that good. Verse 11 says it all. It says, be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, you upright in heart. (coughs) Let me get back to those instructions that we are going to talk about. Now, I'm pretty sure that folks in here are safe. We're already on the other side of it, but I don't know that. That's just between you and God to know that. I, I hope that you are, but if not, there's, there's no shame, there's no judgment, just here in a second when we do the invitation, just come up there and get saved, it's a good thing. If you're not saved and you want to get that way, it's a real easy fix. All you got to do is accept Jesus loves us and he wants us to spend forever with him. Jesus loves you so much that he became flesh and he came to this earth and he died on a cross for our sins. He loves us so much that after he died, he was buried. Three days later, he arose. While later he ascended to heaven, and that's where he's at right now, at the right hand of the Father, advocating on our behalf, and he's he's blotting out our sins right now, as we speak. And he loves us so much that one of these days he's coming back for us. <coughs> So if you're not there and you're not sure where you're gonna spend forever, and make no mistake about it, your soul's gonna go on forever and ever and ever. It's just a matter of location. So if that's where you're at, you have a choice to make. It's a real easy choice. choice is heaven or hell. Heaven is very real, hell is very real, and it's very hot. So let's go the other way. Jesus wants you to go in his way. Jesus wants you to choose forever with him. And I'm sure if that's a choice that you're struggling, with right now the holy spirit is giving you a little nudge and i know that that nudge is towards jesus because the holy spirit always points to jesus but don't wait too long if the spirit's calling you there's no guarantee that it's going to call again i say it every time i'm up here because it's true every time i'm up here this might be the last message that i ever preach and this might be the last message that you ever hear so if you need to come home then just do it. In Romans 6.23 the Bible says for the wages of sin is death but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And then over in Romans 10.9 the Bible says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved. If you're already there that, that's great and keep on doing what you're doing and please go tell somebody else and then tell somebody else and then tell somebody else and tell everybody that you see and then tell them to tell everybody that they see otherwise we're gonna go ahead and have a invitation if the Spirit's moving you to come up here then then please come up here if you need to be saved come take care of that you need to get baptized come take care of that maybe you need to join the church maybe you need to help point a loved one to Jesus or back to Jesus maybe there's a health issue I don't know what I do know is that there is nothing greater than Jesus. And if he's calling you to come up here, by all means, come up. Let's pray. Lord, again, we come to you in thanks. Thank you for all you give us. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the chance to worship you. Thank you for the chance to share you with someone else. Most of all, we thank you, Lord. And if there's someone here who has something that they need to leave at this altar, or if they... They need to come to you whatever the case is lord if that person or if those people are here then please lord call them up again we thank you for everything most of all we thank you for jesus it's in his name that we pray amen stand off to the side here if you have a need please come